Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing... Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard the show. Your insight will Thank help you so others much to be inspired for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick have tips and Have you ever and thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio implement. or podcast, Be sure to say but hello I have no idea how to do there. it. Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Patrick Burke, who is a managing partner of Burke & Schindler PLL in Concentric Wealth Management. Patrick is passionate about helping entrepreneurs start, grow, and build valuable businesses. He has advised more than 200 successful startups and is an expert across multiple disciplines, including mergers and acquisitions, business financing, and deal structuring. In today's episode, we talk about his new book, The 10 Biggest Business Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. This book gives you the blueprint to start and grow your new and successful business. Welcome to my show. Great to be here. Thanks, James. I am looking forward to this. Now, you have done so many things, but did you always know that this would be your field, your expertise? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I come from a family of lawyers, and I always uh, you know, sort of learned my, my father and older brother were both lawyers. My, my brother-in-law's a lawyer, and so okay. the idea of advising people is kind of part of the family uh, genetics, if you will. So I always saw myself as being somebody who helped others succeed. So that was um, – and, and – and, Succeed, you know, looking forward and making sure that they don't do the, the you know, sort of the, make the, the dumb mistakes. mistakes along the way, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can only imagine what it was like at the business or at the uh, at the dinner table. If you're all lawyers, I'm sure it was. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Well, it, and my uh, two older sisters were English teachers, so you certainly oh you couldn't make a grammatical error. That was for sure. <laughs> that is hysterical. How did you transition into the wealth the wealth sector? Well, it's interesting because we really. Uh, uh, avoided that assiduously, you know, for many years. And we sort of saw our client base as they got older, some were selling their businesses. <clears throat> and we saw a disconnect between how they were, they handled their business assets and what they were doing with their assets outside the business. And okay. so we finally just decided it, the, the typical entrepreneur either does sort of poorly manages their, their assets by either mm -hmm. investing all in very high risk uh, like let's say they trading options or they just completely avoid it and just leave all their money in the company. So mm. uh, as our 
as our client base matured, we just saw the need to help them with the money that was outside the business. And it's, uh, yeah. and so that's a large part of our, of our practice there is helping the entrepreneur look at, at a second stack of assets outside the silo of their business, which had not been, not been there, <clears throat> something that they had generally sure. uh, of course. focused on at all. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because most entrepreneurs like myself, you know, if you don't come from a business standpoint or business background, and you start something, you're maybe good at what you do. For example, I'm a content creator and, you know, psychotherapy is my background. But when it comes to the business things, I unfortunately had to learn the hard way. So obviously talking to someone like you would be able to advise me to help me really look at my assets and to help me not make some of these 10 biggest mistakes that <laughs> your book talks about. <laughs> yeah, I would say that, that uh, business is really more like uh, weekend golf than it is championship mm. golf, right? Sure. So it's not, not who makes the most spectacular shot. It's yeah. who makes the fewest mistakes, you know, will win the match. Oh, that's a good and, point. That's a really good point. I appreciate that. Let's transition to your book, The 10 Biggest Business Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. How did this book even come about? But it, like I said, I mean, there's, there is, are so many common mistakes among entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that as I was thinking through uh, in my own situation, because I, in addition to a, an accounting firm and a, uh, money management firm. I, I'm involved in a few other businesses and I have been involved in a few other ones that didn't work. And okay, yeah. so the more you advise people, the more you sort of see a, a, some common themes. And it just hit me one day, I'd written a few other books and, and, and you know, what was, what would be the best instruction for an entrepreneur, whether it's, you know, early stage or growth stage business, what should they be looking out for mm-hmm. as they as they move along their the continuum of the entrepreneur? And so these ten things came to mind. Okay. Well, we let's see. We have about twenty minutes, so let's look at let's maybe. What would you say the the top four biggest mistakes that people make? Uh, I, them, but. Yeah, yeah. Top four. I think number one, and this might be a surprise, uh, is um, choosing to partner with someone when you don't mm. need to. And I think I probably, oh, I know so I presided over more business divorces than I have successful business partnerships. And it's interesting because it, actually I wrote a, an entire book on that called There Is hmm. No Us in Business, even though, of course, there is an us in business. <laughs> and, right. uh, but it's it just, I think that people just use the wrong criteria for selecting a partner. In my estimation, the gold standard for a partner is someone who has a skill that's absolutely essential to the business. And mm. you cannot acquire for cash alone. And if that's okay. true, that's then that, okay. that's a that's a you know that's a good partner to have. If it's not true, then I would say you know try to find a way to compensate the person, but don't make them a partner in, in your business. And it's interesting because by and large, I think mm. entrepreneurs are lone wolves, and mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, when it comes time to hunt, <laughs> occasionally they become a pack animal. And it's like, well, hey guys, well, what's Let's slow this down a little bit. Um, the other one I would say is getting involved in a, a business where your skill set doesn't add any particular or peculiar or high value to the business. And I would okay. look at business as like a three-legged stool. So, okay. you know, it, it, let's say, hey, I'm a, I'm a really good uh, uh, engineer and uh, production guy, but I end up, mm-hmm. you know, I, I end up buying into... Uh, a restaurant, or I want okay. to start something. It's like, well, what, what? I mean, well, I've always wanted to do that. But how does what you do translate to that? And the most successful entrepreneurs I've found, you know, 
business is a three-legged stool, right? There's sales, production, administration. Mm-hmm. And usually entrepreneurs are, are good at sales and the production might not be that critical. Often they are though. They're usually yeah. not very good at administration. So if like, hey, I'm a really good administrator, I'm an accountant, I'm a good HR person, it, it's hard for that person to to necessarily run mm-hmm. a business mm-hmm. that's Certainly. scalable and sustainable unless, and, and then this is a, you know, a, a significant uh, a but, if you will, unless it's a franchise because a franchise is yeah, all okay. about following somebody to. else mm-hmm. has created the scalability, mm-hmm. somebody else has created the sustainability. So just you follow the, you follow the recipe and you'll likely be successful. Yeah. Uh, well, I get you. Let me go back. Just let me interrupt you for one second. So going back to the second, the second one you said, as far as the, you know, if, if that's not your, your specialty, well, I think that also can coincide with then you think, okay, well, let me now join up with someone who was probably better at that. But if they're not better at it and you choose the wrong person, I can see how those two kind of are connected when it comes to some of those mistakes. Right. That, absolutely. And it, it, you know, it's interesting with partnerships. I, uh, just had a meeting this morning at a, a wildly successful company that never expected to be as big or profitable as it is. Mm-hmm. And most good. people sort of set their business up and all their their documents sort of predict the company will do okay. And if it does really, really well, and this one's you know, approaching $100 million in sales, oh, wow. now everybody's like, wow, how do we divide all this up? And what is, oh. is how we thought about doing it 15 years ago when this was just an idea, was that really fair? And now there's there's a, as a, many there's as many ideas as what's fair as there are partners in the deal as you probably imagine right. Wow, that uh, would be wow, I, and that's I'm hope well, that's why they talk with you because that's a that's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> no, in, in in those instances, you know, going back to your specialty of psychotherapy, it becomes a little bit of that. You know, you just mm-hmm. have to have people. That you know, understand where it is they come from. And and you got to be very careful that the strongest personality doesn't squeeze out everybody else unfairly. And that does yeah. happen pretty it's often. It does. Yeah, I um, understand that. It, it, I guess the uh, uh, another uh, a common problem, I would say, is not really understanding what the capability of the business is. And in okay. the book, I talk about, you know, if, if you have a business that is scalable, and sustainable, and you're treating it like a lifestyle business. And by lifestyle business, I mean, hey, it's a business that provides me with a good job and a good living, but it's not going to be, it's not not necessarily building an asset that's transferable to Uh someone else. Nothing wrong with that. And and it's a decision, right? It's like, hey, I'm deciding that I'm not going to turn this into something that I have to worry about it being sustainable. That's fine. But I think and and that's a lifestyle choice and it's mm-hmm. a risk choice. But often what I find is people make that choice not with any kind of it's it's, it's not a volitional thing. It's an accidental thing, right? Sure. And what happens is they starve the business of their of their time and their capital, so it ends up at a certain level and it could be much bigger. And actually, they wouldn't have to work any harder in it. They just have to work differently and smarter. Definitely. And that's that's a a very 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 common problem. Well, do you, if I may ask you this, so that when it when it comes to an entrepreneur who's starting a business, how can they differentiate between this is a quote lifestyle brand versus this is something I want to be scalable to be a larger asset for me? How does how does one differentiate that from the from the get go? Right, it, it's hard, but I think that uh, well, I, you know, I'd say the majority of my clients have started their business, you know, and the second biggest group obviously are the ones that bought one, and mm-hmm. and really. Okay. Um, businesses that have been purchased, 
are usually easier to grow because they got an infrastructure, they got a product, you know, they perhaps have, you know, missed a couple things in there about making it a, a scalable business. Uh, startups, on the other hand, you know, most, you know, 90% of startups don't make it, right? So it's, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, going where no man's gone before, which can be an expensive uh, uh a, a trip never <laughs> and uh yeah yeah well i mean it, it really is and so I, I think if you look at if you say hey hey my business is um i'm going to consult with um with uh, restaurants about you know menu prices or whatever it is and it's mm -hmm. like that's kind of all about you and your relationship with the restaurant community on the other hand it's like hey i'm going to be and that doesn't mean that couldn't be a scalable business because it could be, hey, I've I've turned, you know, how I treat these people into a into a checklist, and that checklist can be I can train other people to do that, mm -hmm. so I can take this to other cities. Mm -hmm. But that would be unlikely, right? So usually you just sure. you look at the business and say, well, who, where else? In, no business is entirely unique, right? Have other people mm -hmm. grown this? If they have grown it, how have they grown it? And it, so it it it's sort of like. Um, so I have a CPA firm, right? So I could have mm -hmm. been a single, hung my shingle out and been the person who just, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to do my work each day, go home each night, and I'm not going to have any partners. I'm not going to have any any employees. And there's a lot of, and, and you can have a successful lifestyle business with that, right? Yeah, Very I did hard. from my psychotherapy practice. I certainly did, yeah. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it's hard to sell. You know, it doesn't really, mm -hmm. however, you know, if you have, and in most, you know, most professional firms, trade inside the business you have a, you know you have a management buyout and so you try to you're trying to build something that creates some value for you down the road and you know it is you know, it, it's absolutely a choice there's more risk associated with it of course but i don't really see it as in as a you know i don't think you're working any harder you're just working more you have to work somewhat you know on your business and not just in your business and mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't have that uh, the ability to sort of step back and do that, then it's okay. You know, have a lifestyle. Yeah. Business. But yeah. if you could make it bigger and, and you could add more value and you have a transferable asset and you could, why wouldn't you, right? Mm -hmm. It just makes sense. Well, I, I think I like that because it helps you think beyond the moment. So for example, if, when I had my private practice, it was very successful and it was great and I wasn't feeling fulfilled. So I decided to to do this. And so this is actually is a lot more scalable because I, or lifeology is a lot more scalable because I have a lot of other, uh, de I don't say departments, but other, it's an umbrella brand and I have a lot right. of other things that are out there. So where my private practice was great and I thought, oh yes, is that what I want to do and retire? But I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Just, like I said, it was very successful. So now when I transferred to this, I like how, what you're saying because now once I started this in a different word, lifeology, then I started to think, okay, well, I want to do this. I'm going to do that. And so we have so many things that are in the works that are under my umbrella brand that can be, that can be scalable, can be, you know, a lot of other things. So I, I think it just comes to that mindset of what do you want out of life and where do you want to go in your life? So I think not only is it your, your, the goals that you have, but when you continually tweak those goals, are you fine with what you have today? Because more likely how it's going to, if you can sustain what you have today, then that's what you're going to have is today, you know, for tomorrow. And, but if you want something more in your life, then that looks at, yeah, you have to put in more uh, harder work, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to um, level up. You know, it makes me think of Blockbuster, you know, amazing company. For those of you who remember Blockbuster, you got to <laughs> yeah, yeah. movies from them. Netflix went to them, said we have this other option to stream, to stream videos from their home and Blockbuster didn't want it. So Netflix started on their own and it's Netflix and unfortunately nobody really remembers Blockbuster. So that's the yeah. same concept is when you become right. too uh, complacent, no disrespect to Blockbuster, when you become too complacent in your niche, then unfortunately 
if we don't evolve with what the culture needs or what the demand is, then unfortunately you will not be able to sustain that. So I think that kind of goes back to the whole aspect of how can you take something and continually grow with what the need is and then expand off of it. And then you have multiple, multiple streams of revenue. Exactly. And I, and I, I think most people want that, but a lot of times mm-hmm. they don't know, you know, they've never been on that path before. And, you know, I'd say almost, I mean, we have, I have some clients that are serial entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. they've, and they've, they've, they've swung and missed a few times, but they've hit enough times that they sort of like running their own personal private equity brand. Right. Yeah. And they, they, uh, and they've learned the art of business and it doesn't really make, or make any difference mm-hmm. you know, what kind of business they just, they're just good at running and growing and exiting. So that's, um, which is great. That's a key, I think and a key I think, factor there is the exiting part of it too. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, you know, I'd say one of the, 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 I guess the fourth mistake that I'd say one of the biggest mistakes is people that don't understand exit. And I'll lump these two, you know, in the, in the book, I have these as two different mistakes. You know, one is selling too soon and one is selling too, hmm. too late. And I'd say most, oh, wow. the most common mistake, the more common mistake of those two would be selling too late. And I think, there's a there's a misapprehension in that there's a there's this vast market for your business out there, and there is a vast market because there's a lot of people looking to be, you know, there's a book called uh, um, Buy Then Build. You know, it's all about buying existing businesses, right? And 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 they are more generally more successful. But I think there's this, uh, the 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 disconnect is people think well, I can run this any way I want. And then mm-hmm. you know, the, the week before it's time to sell, I can cut the grass and paint the door and I'll have a, I'll have a, I'll have buyers lining up around the block. And it's like, well, you know, most, only 30% of businesses actually transfer, you know, most 70% oh, wow. just liquidate. And not that liquidation is necessarily bad. I mean, it might be, sure. that's just, that may be the highest and best use of those assets. Generally not though, but you know, the, the, the difference between a business that is saleable and a business that's not saleable is just, you know, creating processes and metrics and, and um, uh, the ability to, to look down the road and, and scale without, mm-hmm. without, without the need of the owner being the critical, the critical aspect of every new part of the business. Sure. Sure. And I think that's most businesses sort of most, I'd say most entrepreneurs are very, Good. I mean, I always think of them as having two lenses. They've got the wide-angle lens for looking for for opportunities and threats. Then when they see one, they got the microscopic lens. When they go down and they look at that, mm-hmm. then they move right back out to the wide angle. And the area between is 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 where the processes and metrics are built. Most entrepreneurs yes. don't. That's not what they like. So sure. I'm constantly pushing my client base. Hey, think about I mean, what I would call an operator, a chief operating officer or mm-hmm. whatever the size business needs, but somebody who thinks like that, who thinks about, who think is, is more metric driven and KPI driven and mm-hmm. not just, you know, sort of an over the horizon kind of a thinker, which is yeah. what most entrepreneurs tend to be. That's actually very true. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm thinking about this as well. And, and <laughs> when you're talking about um, selling or getting out, I was like, you know, that actually relates to relationships as well. <laughs> you know, everything as <laughs> yeah. well is the understanding of how to move on from, from someone's life in a lot of different ways. We only have a couple more seconds here, but um, I want to say, so there was one, you, one of the questions that was, was sent to me was you talk about who is the best person to ask to learn how to sell, and you might be surprised by that. Can you tell me who, who that is? I was really curious about that. 
Yeah, I I would say it, it's 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 your life mate, right? So um, okay, yeah. Yeah, you have uh, you did a sale on a sale job on somebody once upon a time. Yeah. Uh, in my case, <laughs> it was true. my wife forty years ago, and she's uh, uh, you know I don't she had no idea the ride she was in for, and yeah. uh, but she said yes anyway uh, <laughs> to somebody with with low prospects and absolutely no cash. So. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. I mean, yeah, you're selling yourself to to have have them be your spouse. That is hysterical. That's that's a really good point. <laughs> well, Patrick Burke, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you, to purchase your book, The Ten Biggest Business Mistakes and How to Avoid Them, where would they find this information online? Uh, yes, it's on Amazon, of course, and um, and you can learn more about me at at patrickburke.net. Uh, there's some information there for me, and of course, uh, Burke and Schindler. Uh, we have our website. It's just Burke and Schindler, so you can find us there. So uh, I, you know, I deal with uh, companies all over the country and help them with these problems. So you know, happy to to uh, take somebody through the journey at, in a uh, in the, the least haphazard fashion. And there's always going to be a detour here and there, but you know, try to create the line as straight as possible. Excellent. Well, my listeners know that if they cannot find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you with Pat as well as give you all the information for where you might find his book as well. Thank you so much, Pat. I appreciate all your expertise. Thanks, James. Appreciate your time. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.